You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. For Jordan Love. 37. Here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson. He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. To a one-score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like all right, this Eagles team sort of has this thing under control, and then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something when he gets in the open field and running. That was some throw by Jordan Love too. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658-5824. I'm joined tonight live on YouTube and Twitter uh, with Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. And we got boots on the ground, Tim in Green Bay, who's been at training camp all day. I'll tell you what, fellas, Jacob, man, it sounded like it was a great day at camp today. A lot of positive feedback coming out. Sounds like Jordan Love uh, got a little bit of momentum and had probably his best day of camp. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I am. And, uh, yeah, like uh, we were talking with Tim, it was a perfect day for football. It's finally not like a million freaking degrees out there. Uh, There was a bunch of guys that finally got in with the ones, which we can talk about. We have limited injuries to discuss, which is always a positive. So, man, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, let's do this, man. Let's just go to Tim right off the bat. Tim, I know you were right there at training camp today. You got to talk to a few people. Actually got to uh, got to speak with Rich Passaccia and Joe Barry. Really, really cool to hear that, man. Uh, just tell us what was the vibe like today? Uh, what did you uh, come away with? What you know, just what's on your mind from camp today? The word of the day is excitement. There is excitement. These players are excited. This staff is excited. These fans are excited. There is, we spoke about this the other day. There's a different vibe in the air. And uh, I tried to go live on Twitter earlier, much to my dismay, but I did, I did capture a cool moment with uh, uh, Jerry Montgomery riding his bike. Um, that's on my feed. You can check that out from my uh, failed live stream. But the, uh, <laughs> the nice thing was, was just hanging out um, along the, the south end there. And yeah, I ran into Rich Basaccia. Uh, maybe about a half hour before practice, got to meet him and just congratulated him on on the promotion and just general words of encouragement. Really spoke with him in passing. But getting to talk to Joe Barry, you you'd have been proud, uh, Clayton. I, I brought up Quarters Principles immediately. Oh, oh, and and um, and he loved it. He embraced it. He said, "Yeah." And uh, I promise there'll be more pressure up front this year. So I'm 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 paraphrasing, oh, but that's pretty much that's pretty much a direct quote from your defensive coordinator, and um, he was excited, man. He, Joe Barry was fired up. I'm I'm telling you, we were uh, we were making that walk towards the uh, the facility, and it was just uh, it was like about a 90 second interaction. But he's fired up. He asked me what my thoughts were on Lucas Van Ness, which I thought was interesting. That the the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers is. Asking me my thoughts, I, I thought that was uh, really cool. Put me on the spot, and uh, I said, "Hey, he seems pretty coachable, doesn't he?" 
And uh, Joe Barry's reaction was absolutely. And he's only 22 years old. So there, <laughs> there's a there's an excitement um, coming out of camp, I think, just across the board, guys. That's good stuff, man. I like Joe Barry. I mean, you guys know when he came on on board with this defense, if you if you were to rewind back to after the first year that he took over the defense, everybody loved him. Big, big improvement, right? That's That was what everybody was talking about. It was, hey, man, I think we're going in the right direction. Devondre Campbell, obviously, all-pro middle linebacker in that new defense. And, um, you know, everybody looked good. And then, of course, just like everything in the NFL, it's cyclical, right? You know, people, people are watching tape. They're learning how to beat you, just like you're learning how to beat them. And I understand the frustration with the uh, with Joe Barry and the lack of adjusting to to this, that, and the other thing. But you know, like Ryan said on his podcast, how many how many times are we going to do this, guys? You know, are we just going to change coordinators every two to two to four years and then get mad because the players haven't picked it up yet? Right? Um, mm-hmm. It's something that you've got to have patience with. And and again, I when I watched the tape, when I turned on the tape, what I seen was players not making plays. I didn't see a flawed scheme. I didn't. Um, to this day, when people say them playing off the ball, you know, on specific downs, I always ask, what play? Give me a timestamp. And no one no one can give me a timestamp. Then I turn on the tape and I go, what I'm seeing are players missing tackles. You know, now, like what Ryan pointed out on his pod, one of the things that really sticks out to me is it seems like the safeties are getting there before the backers, right? Well, that's by design. That's what I've learned, right? And the reason being is because typically those linebackers are what we call your apex defender in this quarter's coverage of the Fangio style, of the Nick Saban style. Um, and with them being the apex defender, they've got to be a little more hesitant, right? Their goal is don't bite on the play fake. Don't get beat over the top. And when you've got the safeties, especially in a cover three, where you've got some of that spin or some of that late rotation, they're already coming downhill. That's what makes Anthony Johnson Jr. so appealing to me is his ability to play top down, right? Um, I'm excited about it, man. And and the one thing I will say, Tim, the people that say all oh, the, these players don't want to play for Joe Barry, they're full of crap. Every single player that talks about Joe Barry, they love the dude. They absolutely love him. Um, now, yeah, yeah, and he's a coach's coach too, as well as being a player's coach. That's the the vibe I'm getting. Um, you're absolutely right, man. Anyone who's saying um, these players don't don't believe in the the coach or don't believe in the scheme, they they need to come up here and uh, spend a little time. <laughs> up close and personal and see, see what I saw because I see chemistry across the board. I see a lot of, uh, I mean, this is a team, this, you know, this is a team game. And, you know, if people have their own agenda within uh, the organization, it creates problems and we don't have to name names. We'll, we'll just say that as a generality. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't get that vibe at all right now. This is a unit. Um, everybody's focused. Um, and, you know, if you're not, and you skip out on OTAs and you don't play very well in the first couple practices, you're gone. You know, we don't have to name names there either, <laughs> but even if it's your birthday, you will, uh, you will lose your job. So, um, oh, man. <laughs> it's not show friends, it's show business as, uh, Aaron Nagler said so eloquently the other day. And it's true. Yeah. And so, um, you know, not to cut you off Clayton, but like, no. I-, I hear you, man. Like I've heard Joe Barry get dragged by our fans for a while and um I'll, I'll keep saying the same cliche man players got to play that's what they're there to do you know yeah and and here's the thing too <clears throat> me being a joe berry defender it's strictly off the tape i've never met the guy i'm sure he's awesome like the players say but when i watch the tape that's what i see 
And if you see it, you got to say it. Greg Cosell 101. Now, here's the thing, Jacob. They come out this year and they have a bottom 10 defense. Hey, no matter how nice you are, right? It's time to move on. That means they, they haven't responded. We've taken two steps back as opposed to, hey, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, moving in the right direction and adjusting. Um, how you feel about Joe Barry, Jake? If you feel any better, um, getting ready to go into the season here, man, you feeling uh, more comfortable? What are you thinking? I mean, I, I have a lot more faith, I think, than most maybe would in Joe Barry. Um, I've been critical of him very much. I know my brother, my father, people that, you know, guys that just – watch the game and they're like, I'll, I'll show you some of the texts. I'll show you somebody that really does that. My brother, it'll be 18 times. Why is he so far off the ball? <laughs> and I'll just, and most of the time, like the play will happen and you know, like somebody will come up, maybe it'll be like a stupid wide receiver screen. They'll snuff it out. Jair will make a shoestring tackle. And then he's like, great play. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you can't just say that on those plays, you know, and then the other ones. Right, um, right. We're all I guilty did. of it. We're all guilty. Oh. It ain't just your dad and your brother. I've been guilty too, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. And um, so I'm trying to be a more patient Packer fan and just really, cause I'm starting to just really get into the concepts, the X's and O's, the theories, all that kind of stuff. Because when you are just kind of more of a casual fan, it is easy to just be like, Oh, what a bonehead play, blah, blah, blah. I watched, I play Madden all the time and I would have totally <laughs> called the 46 bear in that situation. I'll let him <laughs> you know, day this... right? Yeah. What do you mean? I just um, play cover two all day in Madden. Right, yeah. So uh, I will ask, um, lean on Tim because since I knew Tim maybe would be here, he's obviously a defensive guy. I was looking at um, a lot of notes, a lot of news, a lot of highlights. I didn't see much on the defensive end other than a couple of quick notes that I wanted to see if what uh, he thought about. It sounds like Van Ness finally got his reps finally with the first team, with the first team defense. Um, yep. Clayton, I don't know if you want to take Let's that over. but Let's hit that real quick, Yeah, if you don't care. Since since you brought it up, that was kind of what was what was first on the list here. If I can find the right one now, I am so unorganized. Let's see what we got. Here we go. All right, so – you guys can see the screen, right? Yep. All right, cool. So yep. Lucas Van Ness, um, Andy Herman tweeted today. First of all, the tweet of the day for me, guys, was Andy Herman. And he said, um, quote, Van Ness threw DeGuara four yards into the backfield, <laughs> into Jordan Love. And immediately, Jacob, I thought of that play that we watched Reggie White do the hump move, right? Oh, yeah. And throw the uh, – I think it was the Vikings offensive lineman. Ryan actually tweeted that out earlier today. I just seen that a few minutes ago. Um, but, yeah. Van Ness sounded like he had a day, and this is what I like. We're going to listen to Van Ness, just about a minute of audio here. I want you guys to hear from him as he was asked about, you know, uh, actually getting some time running with the ones. And then I had a little something to say about Bain as well. So let's hear what he had to say. You know, see myself bump in and out and play a little more of that inside uh, technique. Did you know you're going to get some first team reps coming into the day, or was that like on the field, this type of thing? Who's on the field? Um, I think it's just, uh, you know, you go in there, uh, you know, when just just rotation. You got one of the top five edge rushers in the league in the locker next to you. Yep. How have you been kind of trying to pick RG's brain these first couple of days? It's been awesome. Uh, you know, RG especially, um, he's been uh, great in the film room, you know, as, as a guy that we can't really, you know, watch and model on the field right now um, until he gets back. Uh, more than anything, it's, it's straight just to see how um, he attacks the offseason, um, how he attacks his regiment in terms of returning. Uh, in the film room, he's very smart, uh, gives us you know, great tips that he's learned, the experience. Um, 
experience is huge in this game. Uh, every time you get a snap, you know, you learn something, you figure something out. And, uh, you know, guys like Preston, guys like uh, Rashawn, um, just picking their mind and trying to gain some experience from them um, just by talking to them and, you know, looking at the way they break down and watch film. All right, good stuff. I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but what really impressed me there was they were asking him about running with the ones, right? And and I love what he said. What you know, he just he just kind of shoot it, right? And he just said, well, you know, it's we're just going through different rotations, and it like he didn't, you know, it would have been real easy to say, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm excited to take over the number one, you know, running with the ones and take over that spot, and not look back and blah blah. Van Ness is just like, no, it's just a rotational aspect, right, of what we're doing. And, you know, something that me and Baz talked about the other night, he pointed out a number that 35% of the reps last year. Jacob, I remember you talking about this, man, on the postgame show going, why in the heck are the starting edge defenders on the sideline right now, right? Yeah. You remember, yeah. You remember talking about that? I do, actually, yeah. Because of the heavy rotation they use. And Baz said that basically it's about 35% of the defensive snaps there's a backup edge defender rotating in. So Lucas Van Ness is going to get plenty of time, whether he's running with the ones now or not, whether Rashawn Gary's healthy, you know, week one or not, which we all hope he is, right? Um, I just thought it was really cool how he approached that. That question was just, hey, look, it's just rotation. Like, I'm, you know, I haven't arrived yet. And he just seems like one of those guys. The other thing, too, is just how he talked about learning from Rashawn Gary, um, you know, how, how to operate in the offseason. It's so cool to hear how Rashawn Gary – is always in and around the facility. And who better to learn from than Bain, man? Get that dude his contract, and you lock him and Van Ness up together. And I, I would love to see Preston Smith have a great season. I really would. But we all know the clock's ticking on Preston, unfortunately, right? Hopefully he's around for another two to three years and he's effective. And if that's the case, man, you get those three guys rotating in and out, maybe a little NASCAR package, have Van Ness or Gary doing what Zadarius was doing, you know, mugging that A-gap from time to time and just – just creating some confusion. What do you think, Tim? I agree with you. I mean, we were talking uh, not too long ago about uh, a certain um, report that I saw about uh, Van Ness being labeled a potential bust because of the rotation that he's going to need and need to uh, undertake as a rookie being, you know, playing on the edge, playing, like you said, bullying that, that a gap. I mean, and here you have him talking about it, and he's just totally embracing it. So clearly, this is not this is not something that is, uh, um, in my opinion, even a factor. I think he's versatile, and I think he's learning quickly. I, I mentioned that last time I was on. Um, anything that was technique related, uh, these coaches were working with him, and it seemed to be an instant correction. So I'm looking forward to seeing. You know him him really growing into that nfl frame you know and uh playing in this league man let's let's see i, I i've heard future defensive player of the year thrown around and there's no reason not to believe in that so yeah. i'm excited yeah same jacob what do you think bro yeah i mean like i said i i'd love for you uh for to just to see, like you said, with Zadarius, the fact that we could have one of those guys that even if he's standing up right before the snap comes and he's he's flirting with the A gap, maybe he's bouncing to the B, and then all of a sudden, like he comes around the seat, you know, and maybe somebody's shooting inside, maybe Wyatt's doing some crazy stunt or something like that. I just yeah. the options are endless with these guys. I'm really excited about TJ Slayton because again, he's one of my late round guys, a guy that a lot of people said we're not going to be on the team. And really, other than uh, Jonathan Ford, I don't see anybody that's like a really true nose tackle, you know, just a beefcake. Remember when the Vikings had the Williams brothers? Oh, like, man. 
can you imagine? I've, we, I've just, we haven't had a really stout front guy other than maybe the Gilbert Burger, you know? Yeah. The old Gilbert Brown. I got <laughs> to meet him back a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit. Yeah. You know, just a little. Mike Wall was talking about him earlier this morning when we were chatting, man. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. He was just talking about, you know, just going up against it. We were chatting offline, but, I mean, I could only imagine, dude, you come in there. I think he came in in 99 in the supplemental draft. And then, and literally, he held out. He was a supplemental draft pick. He held out, right, you know, following his agent's advice and everything. When he finally gets to camp, Holmgren just ate his freaking lunch. And he said they, they ran him right. And they basically told him, you're not going to play. You're not playing at all this year. And they just put him through hell with camp. And he said, man, they, they ran me down the line. And it was Gilbert Brown, Vonnie Holiday, Reggie White. And I asked him about Reggie and the first time we had him on the show. And I was like, what was it like hitting Reggie? He went, it was different. He said, when you hit Reggie, it was like, it was just solid. It, it hurt. It was like running into a wall. Just had that country strength. But anyway, Jacob, what other notes do you got, man? From today, I know I've got a few here, but I want to I want you to kind of tee off on on things that you've heard that you're excited about, man. Well, I guess first thing, if we want to stick kind of with the defensive theme, and then we can kind of mold maybe more towards the offense as we go, maybe hit special teams in between as a little bit of a segue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you heard this, but Keyshawn Nixon working with the wide receivers for a very very quick amount of time. He was just doing wide receiver drills. He was um, catching basically behind the line of scrimmage, wide receiver screens, doing the follow through, run through. And then he went back to start returning kicks. Then he did punt returns. Then he did obviously some D back stuff and some. Uh, so this guy is, in addition to that, it sounds like him and they had Goodson everywhere today. Just they had those guys in different mm-hmm. aspects, obviously, but they're trying to find a way for Goodson to get on that that team. I really do think that. Um, but yeah. it just it's really cool to see because Nixon. It started kind of like as a joke, I thought, between him and Lafleur, being like, "Yeah, man, put me in on offense." I did too. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Anything when you it. look at what they're practicing, like I said, that just that quick out that wide receiver screen behind the line of scrimmage, just mm-hmm. give him a little bit of space. It's basically better than almost a lot of kick return uh, advantages that he may have. You know what I mean? Just the amount of people that are on that side of the field, the lane that might be opened up. Like we can see what this dude does when he has the ball and even just one, yeah. two, or even maybe three guys to miss. He can make a miss and he can he can do it. Yeah, it's way too early, Tim, way, way too early. But the first thing it triggers in my mind as he's talking about that, first of all, those are valuable reps. They're not just out there playing around, joking around. Like every rep is so valuable in training camp, right, especially with the limited practice and and everything they have to deal with with the CBA today. Um, When I hear that with Keyshawn Nixon, my thought immediately goes to, are we just going to keep five wide receivers? We got an emergency receiver (laughs) now. Like I'm just saying, you know, maybe maybe we're overreacting here, but – Tim, anything else come to mind for you from camp before I get into Andy Herman's players of the day? I know, first of all, with Keyshawn Nixon, <clears throat> sound like it was another hot day out there, and he's wore a hoodie every single day. Is yeah. that right, Tim? <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. I did see him with the, the green hoodie the other day, and uh, I think he did have that on today. It, w- it wasn't as hot today, but, man, I got a little uh, little sunburn today. It was, it was definitely sunny, and, and when you're under that sun like that, it's just – it doesn't matter what the temperature is. You're going to roast a little bit. Um, but I, I just one comment on Keyshawn at the wide receiver role. I mean, why not? I mean, he's a guy who's embraced from the very beginning that, uh, you know, I'm not going to say gadget player because he's not a gadget player, but he's like the he's like that Leatherman tool you keep. You know, you got you pull it open. You got, you know, 18 different tools. 
that you can use. And it's like, well, if, if he's got these tools, I think we should embrace that because that type of talent is um, a special thing, especially at this level. So I, I'm interested to see if uh, if they do use him <laughs> as a receiver and if it's successful too, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess the things that I really took in, guys, um, I don't know about standouts, uh, and I didn't really see as much practice as I wanted to. I, I, I got to admit. No, you were just hanging out with the coach. That's morning. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was talking to the coaches, um, but just, uh, I did see a little bit of Eric Stokes Jr. doing some rehab and mm. for a guy that like, I don't know, like 10 months ago, couldn't even walk. Um, he looks phenomenal. Uh, I, I asked, I also saw him, uh, at the end of practice riding the bike. He had a kid on the handlebars and was pedaling like full speed. I'm sure Packers official media has got video of this. <laughs> Um, but it was crazy. And as he rolled by, I actually said, man, I was going to ask you how the leg was feeling. And he kind of laughed and said, good. And it's like, <laughs> you know, so between him and, and Rashawn watching that little, you know, the rehab exercises that are going on. And obviously these guys both had like, these are severe, serious injuries that they're coming yeah. off of. And, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, from a fan perspective, seeing that up close and seeing where these guys are at at this time of the year gives me hope. And I'm not going to speculate on when guys are going to come back, but I mean, I'm really rooting for Stokes jr. Man, because you know, he missed a lot of time early in the career. And this is, these are pivotal years for guys like that to get those valuable reps as you alluded to uh, Clayton. So those were a couple of things that uh, stuck out to me today that I noticed uh, Rashawn looked really good and, and Stokes looked really good as well. It's very intriguing, man, to, to sit here and think, okay, what what is let's let's say Stokes is healthy. You know, let's just play play along here. Week one, right? Who are the DBs? We're gonna be in that nickel two, four, five the majority of the time, right? Who are the DBs and who plays slot? Are they gonna put Rasul back to the slot? Are they gonna play Stokes in the slot? I have no idea. Are they gonna put Jair in the slot? And and I know Ryan is kind of anti that choice and and I completely understand his perspective on it. It's just I'm sitting there going, you know. I think back to Charles Woodson, um, you know, first of all, when you're playing a shell defense like this cover four, right, you're already – that's the word I'm looking for. You're, you're already giving the offense a reason not to throw deep, right, whether it's the sideline, whether it's, you know, deep down the middle. You know, just like Coach Haddad that was on the show talked about, the weakness is typically in the middle if you are playing a conventional cover four defense, whether it's man principles or just straight drop zone. Um, the middle is, is what's going to be weak. Where did we – I think we would all agree Charles Woodson was the best cornerback on the Packers when he was here, right? Where did we yeah, play yes. him at? Safety. Played him in the slot, right? Safety sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean – He played safety the towards the end of his career, right? Like quite yeah. a bit. But there in the early going, especially the Super Bowl year, now you did see him on the boundary there. That's how he broke his collarbone in the Super Bowl. But for the majority of the time, they played him at that star position, right? They did. You know, they did Jalen Ramsey the same way out there in L.A. with the Rams. I'm just saying I'm not I'm not sitting here saying Jair shouldn't play the perimeter. Right. I'm not saying that. But to just kind of all of us and myself included be like, nah, I don't really want him in a slot. It's like, well, it was good enough for Charles Woodson. And it was some of our best defenses. And the reason I say that's because you're putting Jair closer to the ball constantly. And you're also giving him a chance to to kind of play in tandem with that apex defender in this very defense. So you're kind of giving him a shot. What was the big complaint last year? It wasn't, man, they keep bombing it over our head deep. 
It was they're throwing it underneath. And and we've seen Jair get beat deep a couple of times because he was too aggressive biting on underneath routes when he had over-the-top responsibility. Why not give him the freedom to, to roam down there in the middle? I'm just saying it's something to think about um, if Stokes is healthy because I personally don't think Stokes – is that star defender? Is that slot? Uh, that slot corner? You know, in my opinion, I could be wrong. But that's just kind of how I see it. Um, someone else who had a big day, Jacob. Um, we talked about it in the off season. Samori Torre. Everybody bragged on him, right? Samori Torre is poised to break out today. It seemed like it happened, man. I know there was place went absolutely nuts. I think it was Big B. Once again, I probably shouldn't say the name, but it's <laughs> like the footage out. Big 33-yard dime from Love down uh, down the sideline to Samori Torre, man. Sound like he showed up. And another one was Kingsley and Ibarre, man. J.J. and Ibarre had a sack, and, and they said that Wyatt, Devontae Wyatt actually caused some of that pressure as well uh, to go along with that sack. Might have even been a half sack. Kind of hard to read the tweet or to determine about reading the tweet. But he also had a tackle for a loss on a running play as well. JJ and Ibarre impressed me last year, and the PFF grade kind of lined up with it as well. I think we got us a steal there. And you guys remember on draft night, there it was late in the draft when they took him, and he was. I mean, he. I had him. I think I had him graded as a third round talent. Yeah. Is what I had him at, and I was over the moon. This year, Anthony Johnson Jr. was that player for me, which right. is why I'm really kind of keying in on that, but anything else you heard as far as uh, players other, before we get to Jordan Love, Jacob, is there anybody else that kind of shined? In your eyes? Uh, yeah. Um, Torrey, he caught four passes. And again, one of those was that 33 yarder, the long one. Um, some other guys, apparently Lou Nichols had a good practice for once. One of those uh, first times he just looked, I guess, very fluid pad level looked great. Um, maybe seems like he's kind of getting the, the gist of the offense a little bit. Um, I, I saw some more clips of some angry running from Tucker Craft once he catches <laughs> the ball. And as we talked about, uh, Tucker got his first day on the offensive side uh, with the 12 personnel. I believe he was the starter. It was him and Musgrave. And I think it sounds like they're using Deguara quite a bit more in that H-back role. But um, it's really impressive for me to see Torre do what he's doing because we, I, again, I'm a sucker. He's a seventh round draft pick guy. Kingsley, love what he did. Fifth round guy that fell very far. Like we talked about Anthony Johnson Jr. Getting him in the seventh. There was mock drafts that I was doing that had him early third um, mm. and all the way in between. And yeah. so for him to fall that far, for us to grab him, for us to now give him, and I don't want to call it a freshman year, a redshirt year or anything like that, but because we have so much unknown starting mess at that safety position, maybe it is a little bit of a, one of those situations where he comes in, we don't really trust him at the beginning of the year, but maybe like week eight, week nine, all of a sudden he's getting a hold of this defense. We start to trust him. His athletic ability kind of takes over and he stops thinking so much. And maybe all of a sudden we've got ourselves a starter, but yeah, it's a good point. Good point. Steve Van Ness in the chat says uh, him and Nick Collins was the best talking about Charles Woodson, man, Nick Collins playing, playing center field in that cover three zone blitz defense and, and Ooh. Wood. Would blitzing out of the nickel from time to time, but also playing underneath, being able to jump the flats. I can still hear Mike McCarthy screaming, go Wood, go Wood, against the Bengals on that pick six. Uh, man, those were good times. And then also Steve Steve Van Ness in the chat says, Tremont Williams was good and so was Sam Shields. Man, those were two guys too. Were they both undrafted or was Trump, Tremont Williams a draft pick? I'm trying to remember. I think they might have both been undrafted. Regardless – I mean, those are two guys that were that were at least late round picks. You know, um, I, I'm pretty sure Sam Shields was a, an undrafted free agent, man. And that's just Ted Thompson absolutely crushed those undrafted free agents back in the day, man. Building off the the bottom half of that roster. Um, all right, okay. let's do this, guys. You, you want to know a quick fun fact about the wide receivers? 
Yeah, let's hear it. Who's our Who's our oldest wide receiver on the team? Samori oh. Torre. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> it is. Oh my god, that's insane. I thought you were gonna. I, I thought you were gonna say Keyshawn Nixon. <laughs> hey, that there could be go. it. There you go. Love it. All right. Hey, let Just me ask you this real quick before we move on. Real quick, if I can. Let's yeah. say, uh, Clayton, let's say we do keep five receivers right off the top of your head. Who do you who do you think those five would be right now? Mandy made me take my board down. This is usually where I do this. But, <laughs> no, let me think here. My, my five receivers would be Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Torre, I'm sorry, man. Grant Dubose is in the doghouse with me right now, and and I'm just going off of what Matt Lafleur. His, I think Matt Lafleur is um, disappointed in himself for letting the emotions show. I don't know if you guys seen that press conference, but from what I understand, Grant Dubose is on the NFI list, and then they asked Coach Lafleur about it. This was day one, and if I remember correctly, he said, um, "No, I'd rather not talk about it." And then he came back and went, "It's a back injury." So it kind of makes me wonder. Did he do something away from the facility to hurt his back, right? Now, obviously, Dontavian Wicks is another one I'm excited about. Um, so, again, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, right? Samori Torre, Dontavian Wicks would be my five um, as it sits right now. And, and I think you can afford to, to carry five. I really do. And the reason being is because you've got Luke Musgrave. I'm telling you guys, Luke Musgrave – is going to be an F tied in this year. It's going to happen. You're going to see him flexed out wide. When me and Mike Wall broke down the Detroit Lions tape on on two different occasions of just the six plays I broke down, and I seen it when I went through and watched every snap three times, it, uh, you seen it all day long. They were putting um, putting Robert Tunyon in that F tied in spot. For those of you who don't know, I shouldn't even get into it, but all offenses are different. Everybody's terminology is different. When you refer to an F tight end, you know, you talk about a Y tight end. You hear Lombardi say it on our intro sometimes, you know, talking about the Y end. That's your attached, that's your typical traditional tight end, someone who can play attached to the line. You can do a little Y flex, but they're that guy that can do everything, right? That's a tight end that can block, he can catch, he can run routes, but he, he's, he's your traditional tight end. When you get into an F tight end, what you're doing with an F tight end is you're simply flexing them out. It's more of a receiving target. That's what that's what an F tight end is, right? And you've seen that with Tunyon. You would you would classify Tunyon as an F tight end. Now, when he's the only tight end in the formation, I like to refer to him as the Y because I just feel like Y should be designated for it, you know the solo tight end in the route or in the uh, in the play call. But um, I think he's going to play F. And when I say F, man, I'm talking about where Lazard was last year. Pop him in there, man. Pop him in there. Let him stretch the seam. I'm telling you, he's he's quicker than Lazard. He's faster than Lazard. He's stronger than Lazard. I'm not going to sit here and say he can catch as good as Lazard because it sounds like, you know, according to Ryan and his updates, that uh, that Musgrave's been kind of inconsistent with his hands. Maybe that'll come in due time. It sounds like he rebounded a little bit with his blocking today, too. And, and I heard somebody calling on Packernet after dark. I don't mean to go on a tangent here, but this is things that are coming to mind. Um they were talking about, man, he, his pass pro's got to get better. His pass pro's got to get better. Talking about Luke Musgrave. I could care less about his pass pro. I'm just being honest. When I watched the tape last year, never once did they ask a tight end to block someone like Preston Smith. When Preston Smith blew Luke Musgrave up, everyone went, oh, he can't block defense. Of course he can't. That type of tight end is not designed. They're, they're not going to be coming out schematically and blocking a, a, a Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, or whoever, you know, insert edge defender. Um even Tunyon last year, it was just a little chip. That's what he always did. It was a chip, 
in a little leak, what we call a Y leak. You know, you just kind of you kind of chip that edge into the tackle and then leak out, and you're kind of a safety valve in the flat. So I, I don't it, any I could care less about Luke Musgrave's pass pro run blocking. Totally different story when it comes to to when it comes to run blocking. Absolutely, it's it's crucial. It really is. So, but to answer your question there, uh, Tim, that would be my five. Um, I'm excited to see what Dontavian Wicks does. He's one of those players. He and J- Jaden Reed, which Jaden Reed might not get a whole lot of playing time. Uh, he may run with the ones. Uh, the ones in the early twos, the top twos, whatever, um, in preseason. But I think Dontavian Wicks is going to get a lot of looks in preseason. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So... Uh, real quick, oh, yeah. on Tay Wicks, he is still in concussion protocol, but he was in attendance today on the field and was watching uh, the other players practice. So good sign, obviously. And just to be, again, at this point in any sort of season of any sort of OTAs, mini camp preseason, to have basically only three or four guys, two of them we know exactly their situation, who are looking really, really good on the comeback. One of them that's, you know, a back injury, one that's just a concussion. Like that's Pretty insane. Oh, the other update for the uh, injury situation, Tucker Craft coming across the middle today, I think collided shins with somebody. Not major. It looks like he just had a real nasty, you know, probably bruise on that thing. They took him out of practice. He iced the leg for the rest of the practice, but it sounds like he's it's not but too it's, serious. It's Tucker Craft, so you got to yeah, say. the other guy got hurt. You should have seen the other guy. (laughs) Since we're on tight end talk here, we've got Steve Van Ness in the chat. He says Musgrave, Kraft, and DeGuara will be the tight ends. Tyler Davis will be gone. That's kind of a bold prediction there. He also says we will keep six to seven receivers. And then Brian in the chat says, hey, not so fast there, Steve Van Ness. 
There's plenty of room for Tyler Davis. You seen the Sith block? Come on, bro. Um, got Dakota in the chat. Dakota says, I just want to see a receiver catch a ball in a game. I just want to see a game now, man. I'm so freaking excited, dude. I'm yeah. excited about family night as well. Though. I'm I'm just giddy, man. Today was awesome. I'm just – I'm going to fan out for a second, boys. I was out there cleaning the pool and listening to updates, and I was checking Twitter every two seconds about to drop my phone in the pool because I couldn't stay away from it, man. It's just – this is the best freaking time of the year. I ain't going to lie. I got a couple daddy sodas in me. Got a headache out there in 92-degree heat. I, it was dangerous. I got back in the house. But uh, the dogs were looking at me on the on the porch like, bro, you have lost your mind. Let's go in the house already. But, it, man, it's just training camp. It's just awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, let's see here. Cheesehead uh, Murph. What a name, dude. Cheesehead Murph. I think Tyler Davis stays because of special teams and his blocking. Yeah, definitely got a hand up there. There's no doubt about it. His and I'm t- I'm just gonna I'm gonna say something right now, and it's gonna piss a lot of people off, and I don't care. If you see it, you got to say it. Watching the tape from last year, I, and Dusty Evely is going to scold me so hard over this. <laughs> I just don't see it with Deguara, man. I'm telling you, what over and over and over watching him in the run game, I was just going, man. I, I just want to see him stick a block. I don't even have to see a pancake. It was just always just getting a piece of someone, just getting a piece of someone. And when I see Tyler Davis block, I go, no, that looks a little more like what we should be seeing. I'm just being honest, man, just being honest. Um, And, again, Dusty Evely has forgot more about football than I'll ever know. So you you guys would be wise to trust trust his judgment over mine, that's for sure. Um, All right, let's see here in the chat. We've got Dakota says, I'm so behind on training camp talk. I've been working too much this past week. Just quit the job, Dakota. It's football yeah, season. Come on, man. You kidding me? <laughs> Get your priorities straight, man. Quit quit your job. Leave your family. God, let's go. <laughs> God. Be, a, be a real fan, man. Real up in here, yeah. Get the dog out. Everything. Get them all out of here. <laughs> so we've saved the best for last. Jordan Love, it sounds like, had his best day um, in camp so far. And uh, just kind of reading – um, what was said today? Obviously, he went unofficially 16 of 22. He led a two minute dr- led a two minute drill down to the one yard line, where it sounds like um, I think Musgrave got stopped at the one and they had to settle for a field goal before halftime. Okay, yeah. um, so Jordan Love's starting to put it together, boys. I'm excited about it. Um, I don't. I, the the one thing I was looking for in this camp. And, and it's what I'm going to be looking for in the first quarter of the season is is the moment too big for him, right? That's the thing I'm really going to be paying attention to. Um, again, we, uh, you know, it, it's it's all about building those those stepping stones toward not just a successful season, but having that that long haul of a football team that that sustains success, right? And when I hear Jordan Love talk, man, I hear a leader. I hear a guy that's putting in the work. Um, I've been following his personal coach, his quarterback coach, uh, for a while now, and it's really cool. He's actually coached up Romeo Dobbs for a long, long time. Um, they've So they've been in a, a lot of camps together as far as working in the offseason. Uh, that's probably why you're seeing so much rapport there between him and Dobbs. And watching Dobbs and Christian Watson run their routes today, extremely crisp. I mean, extremely crisp. And then when you've seen someone, you know, on the back half run their route, it was like, yeah. You can you can go back and watch Watson and Dobbs, their footwork. Christian Watson's footwork on slants has come. I mean, it is it's night and day from a year ago. I'm excited to see him on those quick hitters. But let's do this. Um, Stacy Dells of NFL Network actually sat down with Jordan Love 
um, on the sideline there at Ray Nitschke Field and just talk to him. It's about three minutes long. I'm going to play it here, and then I'm going to get your all's take on it before we get out of here. But here is QB1 for the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love. Man, just, just listen to this dude talk. Uh, I don't know. He just sounds like a leader to me. And we are delighted to be joined by the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love. And I, I mean, for so many years, I've for three years, I've watched you run out. Would you call it the shadows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, being in the shadows <laughs> of Aaron Rodgers. And now it's your moment. I don't even know where to start other than what have you taken over three years that you just cannot wait to put on display for this franchise and these fans? Yeah, I mean, the past three years, it's been just a lot of learning, growing, developing as a player and just waiting for that opportunity to get on the field and go showcase it out, out there. How did your leadership change on, on your peers in the locker room? Yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. Um, I think a lot of it is just being able to see some of the older guys, see Aaron, how he leads, um, and get a feel for how that is. You know, coming from college, you, you kind of have your own way of doing things, and then you get here and you see someone else do it. Um, so you kind of grow as a player right there and as a leader. But what is Jordan Love style? Mm -hmm. What is Jordan Love style? Because you're the man now. Yeah. I'm the man now, and uh, it's it's gonna be fun. I mean, it's gonna be on display all year with the team, and it's just it's bringing everybody along, having fun with the guys, and, and going out there and making a, the most fun of this opportunity we got. So I keep getting asked, I'm the quarterback. I'm not a, I'm not the coach. What's gonna look different? How is the offense from Aaron Rodgers to Jay Love gonna be different? Describe that for us. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, the offense, the plays we run in is gonna be the same. Um, you know, the players that are out here, a lot of similar faces you saw last year. Um, but for the most part, you know, obviously a new quarterback. Um, but I'm still going out there trying to make every play um, and play in the system and just get these guys the ball. Let them go. Let them go do what they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. How much fun is it, though, to let that thing rip to Dobbs, to Christian Watson, to Jaden Reed, a rookie? Like, how much fun is this for you to finally have the reins? Oh, it's really fun. You know, <laughs> it's really fun. You, like you say, when you get to let a pass rip and, and see it, you know, they run a great route and the whole play just kind of comes together. It's it's really fun. So Matt, I'm excited to do that on the field now. Yeah, well, I saw it uh, today, even though the offense lost. Matt LaFleur says you have complete, your head coach and play caller, complete command of this offense. How much freedom are you going to have at the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to the plays. I mean, exactly what play's called. Um, we have cans on certain plays that we get to and things you can check to. But um, for the most part, you know, we're going to let the plays ride, let it run. Um, like I said, play in that system um, and not get too crazy with trying to check and do different things. Because, um, you know, I trust Matt. He's going to call the right play, and we're just going to yeah. let that let it run. Every year it's like Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers. That's the expectation. It's a whole new fresh look, not just with you, but this is a young offense, one of the youngest Jordan in the NFL. What's the expectation? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, being a, a Green Bay Packer, there's always very high expectations from the organization, from the guys who've been here before, um, and nothing changes. Like you said, we have a young team, but um, I look at it as a fresh start, fresh start for everybody to kind of go out there and make a name for themselves and, and become the player they want to be, but the expectations are still high. Nothing's changing. And nothing changes on you. What's that bracelet say? <laughs> I am second. I am second, meaning? Yep. Meaning God is first. I am second. It's a nice little daily reminder. Kind of, you know, I look at it as a way to put others first, put God first. Um, you know, life's not always about you. Every day, kind of, sometimes people get caught up in their own lives. Sometimes um, it's a nice little reminder to have. We appreciate you. Yep. Thanks for taking the time. No Jordan doubt, Love. Thank you. All right, there you go. That's QB1, Jordan Love, man. I don't know about you guys, but that gets me excited, man. That gets me very excited. A little bit different, little bit different right? A little bit different feel this year. <laughs> um, yeah. Dude. Uh, yeah. First of all, I love how he gave everyone ammunition. You know, me being on the side of 
guys, this, this offense isn't going to look much different. You might get 5% more motion, 10% more motion. Like Ryan pointed out, you know, all of these guys in this coaching tree, it's kind of, it's kind of maxed out in that 40% range. Last year we were up 7% from the year before as far as uh, pre-snap motion. Um, so he, he talks about, you know, it's that we're going we're gonna to be running the same plays. And then he turned right around and said, you know, oh, we're not going to do anything crazy and check to too, <laughs> too many different things. So it's like those on the side that said Aaron wasn't running the offense, they got what they wanted to hear. And for people like me that's saying, no, this is Matt LaFleur's offense, I got what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I thought it was just a perfect way to answer the, the question. Um, you know, ask him what's going to look different. He said it's going to be the same plays. Guys, these are the same exact passing concepts that Bill Walsh designed in the 70s and 80s, right? So it's not like – it's just you're, you're, you're keeping it simple. You're running the same concepts, but you're presenting this, uh, this illusion of complexity. That's Bill Walsh 101. Um, the big thing for me, though, Jake, and I, or let me go to Tim first. Uh, Tim, you know, hearing just the joy in his voice, right, that stuff's infectious. And you can just tell, man, he's, he's excited about the opportunity – and uh, excited about putting the work in, man. Are you are you fired up for QB one, man? Oh my gosh, yes. And you know, I've always I've always been uh, the guy that uh, maybe gets a little too excited too too soon about certain players. You know, being a that's the homer in me, as they say. <laughs> but uh, I tell you, man, we we always hear you know, and it's true. You know, you guys have talked about this before that you know you really don't know until you see a full season of football. Right. Out of a, out of QB one, you know, to really get some judgment. But you know, on the on the other side of that is this gut feeling I have that like, man, I've seen a lot and I'm seeing more and I'm seeing him now and he looks better than he did this time last year. And oh my goodness, I believe, I believe, um, you know, I am. I'm super excited that this guy is our quarterback and he's clearly not. Um, He's not afraid of the moment, man. He sounds poised. He sounds calm. He sounds confident. Um, yeah, you, you kind of stole my thunder with that that comment that he made because you you addressed it. Um, I like what he said. Like it comes down to the plays and playing in the system. You know, he's going to have that flexibility for a check, but uh, you know, he's going to check to, you know, what what the next uh, check in that play is going to be, and not reinvent the wheel on the fly and. Uh, I'm telling you, man, it's going to be a great year. I cannot wait till we get some preseason ball. It'll be like our first little fix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one thing, too, that I wanted to touch on quick is not to just jump off the, the love train because I absolutely love it. No, no pun intended there. But Romeo Dobbs, one thing I had in my notes, like like Clayton said, when I watched some of these playbacks that, um, you know, they're running on a loop, doing slow motion, making it look all nice and sexy. But uh, he had, like, like Clayton said, just crisp routes i mean to the point where i'm like wow look at like that dude is running some crazy like that would make chad ochocinco cry from what i'm told chad ochocinco mm -hmm. likes to cry when he watches people do routes so that that's pretty <laughs> dope and then uh, another thing was Jaden reed touching on just the the ability what that guy might possess apparently aj Dillon quote it was quoted saying that you know no offense to 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 cobb but he said that Jaden reed looked like cobb in his prime as a rookie yep. like that to me is about as good of a compliment you can get from anybody so i think we like to forget how good cobb was in that early years how much of a difference maker he was um so yeah i'm, I'm pumped about that definitely dude no nah, everything i heard from jordan though back to him man i it you know what he's talking about let me just kind of 
kind of shed a little bit of light, you know, and I'm sure everybody listening probably knows in case if there's one person, then it's worth mentioning when he talked about, you know, having complete command and he said, we'll still have cans and plays we can check to what he's talking about by cans is typically you come to the line of scrimmage in this offense and you've got a can play, right? We've seen Aaron can to a run three times on no two times of those six plays that me and Mike broke down and he actually canned to the run. So it meaning he came to the line, a pass play was called, he canned out to the run and said, all right, let's run the ball. Right. Um, you've also got checks and by checks, what he's talking about from the RPO perspective. Okay. So you come to the line and let's say they've got a wide zone left called, right. And, and as they, as they come to the line of scrimmage, if he looks over to the right and the corner's playing soft on that boundary X receiver, then they might have a peak. They might have an RPO peak. Or if they've got two receivers over there, one's playing up, one's playing off, then they might have a, a, a quick little uh, a quick little wide receiver, uh, uh, like a bubble screen on the outside, right? So when he comes to the line and gets that check, the hand signals telling you guys, brace yourself, Jordan Love is going to have hand signals too. Every quarterback in the league has hand <laughs> signals. So he comes to the line, he looks over there, one's playing 10 yards off the ball, the other's playing five yards off the ball, and they got a stack wide receiver look. He's going to give a little of this, ball snapped, fired out to the bubble. You've got what we call a hat count, right? You've got the advantage. Everything in football is just numbers. That's all it is. And, and like Coach Haddad said, the coaches screw it up all the time. All it is is, you know, get, get a plus one advantage, whether it's the running game, whether it's the passing game, and, and take advantage of those numbers. So when you get that plus one advantage – in the hat count game, whether it's running or passing, you take it. That's what he means by check. You're going to see that stuff happen. Now, I think there was times last year, especially in the first Detroit game, where Aaron would go to that RPO peak where it's a quick slant across the middle if the defender crashes. Me and Dusty talked about that, and actually me and Coach Hahn talked about it as well, how they were baiting. That linebacker would actually like he's plugging that hole uh, in the B gap, and then he would drop back. That's how you ended up. Aaron ended up hitting the guy right in the face with the football because he didn't expect him to uh, to do that quote unquote fire zone look. So um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm excited to see what Jordan Love can do. He's got a quick release. He's got the arm strength. Does he have the accuracy? And and what Tim said, consistency. That's what it's going to come down to. It's exactly what Greg Cosell said. You got to we got to find out with Jordan Love. Is he going to be the same exact person? week in and week out, when it's going good, when it's going bad. That doesn't just mean attitude. That means are you going to stick to the fundamentals? Are you going to constantly work on your craft and keep that accuracy, keep that that set those same you know mechanical aspects to your game intact? That's what it's going to come down to. Um, I love what he said. You know, I trust I trust Matt, and we're going to let it run, right? We're, we're going to let the offense run. You know, Matt, I trust the plays that Matt calls. Um, it's a fresh start for everyone to uh, to make a name for themselves. He mentioned that. I love that. And that's exactly what we've talked about, Jacob, all year long, all offseason. You know, with Aaron being gone now, he was the leader of that organization. He was the leader of that team. That was that cloud. That cloud is now lifted. There's a void there. There's a void on this team for people to step up and be a freaking leader. I'm telling you, somebody who's doing it right now is Keyshawn Nixon. And I know yep. there's probably some listening to that and they're rolling their eyes. He was the first one on the freaking practice field two days in a row. He's yep. setting the example. He's playing special teams. He's playing defense. He wants offensive reps. Everybody's complaining about the heat, not the players, but everyone else. It's been widely reported this some of the hottest weather they've had in Wisconsin in a while, right, Jacob? And what did Keyshawn do? He came up there in a hoodie. Like, yes, he's sir. leading by example, dude. I'm telling you. It sounds stupid. It sounds cliche. That stuff freaking matters. Um and then I love what he said there too. Uh, 
I am second, you know, and I'm just going to say, I think it's awesome. It's exactly what Tony Mandarich talked about on this podcast. He's like, you know what, man, we live in a world now where everybody's allowed to say what the hell they want to say and believe what they want to believe. I'm not going to hide mine anymore. And I love that Jordan came out and just said it, man, God first, me second and putting others, putting other, you know, it's not just about you. It's about stopping for a minute and going, how, forget how this affects me. How does it affect other people? I just think that's freaking awesome. So as we get ready to wrap up, Tim, anything else you want to hit on? We'll fire through these uh, comments real quick and get you guys out of here. Anything else that stood out to you? Any, any final thoughts? You know, just what going off of what you had just said, um, what we were talking about with, uh, Jay Love and uh, making plays within the system, you know, uh, a check versus a can, these kind of things. And uh, what are we going to see week in to week out, whether it's, you know, good or bad, you know, weathering the storm of a of a 17 game season. Um, do you think his last year in college, you know, kind of going rogue, so to speak, you know, we talked about the shakeups and, uh, you know, the coaching staff in his last year. And maybe he was guilty of little hero ball. But to me, it looked like he was just a dude hungry and trying to win games for his team. Do you think maybe like that's out of his system? And now we, we fast forward to where we are today. And it's like he's already seen what 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 that looks like. And, and at this level, he's fully bought in and fully embracing this system now. There's no such thing as bad experience. Even the quote unquote bad experience is good experience, you know. You're, you're learning what doesn't work. You're learning how to not be a quarterback, right? The type of quarterback you don't want to be. Here's the thing that stands out to me when I go back and watch that tape. Like you said, two different coaching staff changes two years in a row, right? He didn't transfer. He didn't pout up. He didn't complain. And then the big thing that stands out to me, think of Will Levis. I'm a Kentucky fan, right? Kentucky and Notre Dame are my two college teams. We were so excited about this season for Kentucky. Will Levis was a borderline first-round pick. You guys seen he went early in the second round, right? Whether you think he's a good quarterback or not, whether I think he's a good quarterback or not, makes no freaking difference. You've got scouting staffs where millions of dollars are invested in these staffs to make the right decision. Pretty sure they know more than me. Pretty sure they know more than you, right? They decided, hey, he is a borderline first-round pick. I guarantee you the Titans had a first-round a first-round grade on Will Levis. Now, why do I mention that? We were excited going into this season because Will Levis is this highly touted prospect, right? Which, by the way, I think it's worth noting, Sean Clifford beat him out at Penn State. I'm just saying. like yep. He's the reason that Will Levis transferred. Just saying. But when Will Levis came out this year, what we seen in Kentucky was the offense change. It literally it felt like, okay, we can't put him in harm's way. We Listen, he's going to be entering the draft. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that they – I'm not suggesting that Kentucky was willing to take losses over their draft status that, hey, we've got a top prospect because that does help recruiting. It really does. I'm simply saying they were very aware of we can't let him play as free as he has in the past. We don't want to put him in harm's way and blow out a knee right before the draft, this and that. That offense really played on its heels. And then, of course, he breaks his thumb or injures his thumb somehow. Of course, that's the one game I went to this year thinking it was going to be him and Spencer Rattler. I get up there and they go, no. Nope. Levis ain't playing. Great. Drove up here to watch us get our keister kick, right? But anyway, so with that being said, that's how they handled Levis. But now think back to Jordan Love and what you said, Tim. He didn't give a crap about throwing interceptions. It was, hey, look, we're down by three touchdowns. I could give a rat's hind in what my stat line looks like. The only way we're getting back in this ballgame, if we push the ball down the field, let's take some shots. I think that says a lot about him. 
right? Um, I think it really does. Uh, those those are the little things, just like when we talk about when we do post game shows, chalk talk, stuff like that, talking about crucial situations, the crucial third downs that we all forget about, right? The crucial, you know, uh, turnovers and when they came and how that played into the middle eight and the turnover differential and all those things. All those details matter. It really, really matters. That's why we need to be a little more aware of, of kind of what's going on. But I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, to steal your line, uh, I, I really do because it, you know, that stuff. What it told me about Jordan Love is he didn't care about stats. He was trying to give his team a chance to win. When it's obvious the the coaching change they made was horrendous. Um, Jacob, yeah, that reminds it, me uh, reminds cool. me of a guy who used to play quarterback here in Green Bay a few years back yeah. from Mississippi. Yeah, no, I'm with you, dude. And, you know, it's funny. We went from a quarterback that he threw – I think he threw five or six interceptions in that playoff games against the Rams, right? The Rams, right? And it was – God, it's just – you know, I remember people making fun of me on Christmas Day. Um, it, they played uh, – it wasn't on Christmas Day, but they played right around Christmas time. It was in, in December, and he threw a bunch of interceptions against the Bears. And I had a guy, Travis, that I worked with on the job site back when I was doing concrete work. And he was like, boy, Favre was giving out all kinds of Christmas presents this Sunday. Wasn't he? You know? <laughs> and then we go to a quarterback where what's the argument become? He's too safe with the ball. He doesn't take yeah. enough chances, right? So <laughs> maybe we're getting back into the gunslinger. I don't know, man. I don't know. But uh, All right, Jacob. Final thoughts, bro. We're at the 54-minute mark. Bring us home, dude. Yeah, just two things. One more quick on love. I believe also that in that year where he kind of just – he decided to come back, he lost his main targets, most of his offensive line. I think the defensive players, like, they were stars kind of – you know, he was left with nobody. He sh- I would argue that a lesser man would have probably been like, I'm going to the transfer portal. I'm doing something. I'm, I'm, I'm – like you said, he didn't cause a stink. He didn't really – you know what moan and complain he um he just sat in there and like like tim says he what i saw his highlights you see a dude just like i'm gonna do whatever the you know what i have to do to win this game and yeah a lot of times it probably wasn't some great decisions but what we're seeing now i think that he would uh mr love would agree with me that there's um some blessings in this world in this life that sometimes you don't realize are blessings until they've happened and it's you know, sitting three and a half, what would you call it, two and a half, three years behind a quarterback while you get drafted number in the first round. Maybe when you look at that in the very beginning, yeah, that's probably not ideal, probably not something that you would pray for necessarily. Yeah. But then after the fact, after you've had that time, maybe that three year, that two year gap of you really knocking out a lot of those boneheaded plays, learning the mechanics better, having somebody like one of the best quarterback coaches that could ever mentor you, mentor you, having one of the literal better quarterbacks of all time, maybe the best thrower of the ball of all time, literally taking time to show you how to move your feet, to show you how to work your release, to show you how to do the no-look pass and to to read the defense, to do those cans, to make the checkdowns. Maybe that's more of a blessing than you could ever know. That being said, the only other thing I want to talk on, Cody Kress, my new favorite wide receiver. He's going to make the team. He's going to beat Jerry Rice's records. He had an amazing one-armed <laughs> slow motion. Well, I had to slow it he down for slow. slow motion, but in no, my head. Everybody, you weren't the only one. I've seen several people slow it down. <laughs> dude, it was legit, and apparently that guy can fly. So here we go. I think he wore 82. I'm seeing another Don Beebe, baby. Keep oh, on running. No. He went He went to Beebe. He went to Beebe, Tim. My God. All right. Cheesehead, uh, Cheesehead Murph in the chat says, who starts in the slot if they are tied at the position battle, Torre or Reed? For me, it's Reed, and I think Coach would agree. Everything I'm hearing from, from you know, this coaching staff and even Brian Gudikins is, hey, look, 
bubble wrap them until we get to week one, then get them freaking out there, man. Get them some experience. That's what this year is all about. I think that they're really going to press into that because in the past it's been about, hey, what gives us the best chance to win right now, right? Um, and uh, that's uh, that's not the case this year. It's it's simply, hey, look, here's who we think are the best players. Now let's go out there and take our lumps and get better as a team. Steve Van Ness in the chat. I got you, brother. Hey, hit me up on Twitter um, about calling in. And we'll see if it makes sense. Um, we'll, uh, we've got a, a process for that, kind of a little interviewing process or whatever. We want to make sure that people don't get on the air. Not that you would. I just want you to understand why we have the process. I've watched many live streams where knuckleheads jump on here and say something stupid or racist or act like a moron. And we're trying to prevent that. That's the reason we haven't just opened it up to everybody. We want to make sure that this content stays clean in that regard for sure. But, yeah, man, we'd love to give you a chance to call in uh, sometime for sure. Um, all right, let's see here. Also in the chat, we got Cheesehead Murph as we bring it home. Says, similar players and style just read is faster to me, just hard to choose. I completely understand. Reed's my guy, man. I'm just telling you right now, everything I've seen out of camp, I am really, really, really excited about uh, about Jaden Reed for sure. Um, let's see if we're missing anything else. I'd argue, too, that I think that both of them, if, if Jaden Reed is going to be definitely that number three, I think that Torrey starts maybe seeing some punt return stuff mm. uh today it sounded like That's they went to uh Torre and reed were going number one and two uh back and forth having nixon do some other stuff but i do not see them using nixon especially if he's gonna be playing that defensive role with any sort of offense they got to give a break to that guy at some point so i think yeah. you see a Torre or maybe definitely um reed going for that punt return position good point man good point hey real quick before we wrap up did you don't you guys just love this time of year where we watch the slow motion uh, plays and <laughs> we hang on every little thing at camp. Also so that, like, also that, like a month from now, everyone's gonna say to each other, "Man, I'm tired of hearing about training camp, man. Yep. We got <laughs> coming, now. we got game film. Just stop talking yep. about camp." It's like, <laughs> I love it, man. This is this is the best time of year, Clayton. I'm with you. It really is, man. It is. It's it's like you know, I enjoy Christmas Eve way better than Christmas morning personally. You know, I just love that build up and you know. It's true. The, the night before and everything. This to me, this is Christmas Eve. This is right there, you know, on the eve of the season, and uh, it's when hope is at an all time all time high. You, you have all these questions that we want answers to, and we know we're going to get them in due time. And it's just it's a lot of fun. Cheesehead Murph said, "Love the show. Would definitely be back." Hey, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Appreciate you, Murph. It was it was awesome having you in the chat, dude. Um, for everyone listening to this, like I said, just go subscribe. Don't worry about notifications. We're trying to get our subs up and get this out here. The more that people sub. Um, and, you know, liking on the on the videos, it, it kind of helps get it out. I've had several people uh, actually message me, find me on Twitter and say, hey, man, I found your channel on YouTube. Uh, YouTube recommended it to me. So the word's starting to get out with some of the feedback and and obviously the likes and the subs. But just make sure you go sub to the channel. We greatly appreciate it. So, um, all right, I think that's it, guys. We're going to get out of here, man. We had a packed house tonight. Tim, I can't thank you enough, dude. You've done an excellent job. Uh, giving us just uh, just feedback on camp and everything, man. It's uh, I'm telling you, dude, you're a pro at this. And and like I said before, as soon as you guys realize all you need is a microphone to do what I do, I'm out of a job because you guys are absolutely awesome. You, Jacob, everyone who's chimed in, man. It's uh, it's so cool, kind of pulling everybody together, and uh, especially with this new era, man. It's it's a lot of fun, dude, for sure. So thank you guys for your time. Way too many people in the chat to uh, to list off. 
Really appreciate everybody interacting. It makes the show so much better. I know there was a time when me and Jacob were in here and it was two people watching and we're just trying to hold on for dear life. Uh, when we got people in the chat being active, man, it, it makes for a better show for sure. So, all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. For those of you listening on the pod, we're going to get this out to you ASAP so uh, the information stays somewhat fresh. I'm going to push the mic wall uh, interview back to Monday probably. So we'll get this one out to you guys tomorrow before uh, – before the, the next camp practice, obviously. So give you something to listen to. Um, but if you are listening on the pod, we appreciate you making us a part of your day. Uh, appreciate everybody, uh, like I said, on YouTube and Twitter. We will be back soon. Uh, definitely tomorrow, right, Jacob? We're going to do a, a weekly Sunday recap. recap. Come on. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to wake uh, the uh, Rip Van uh, Ryan Schlip up and make sure he's not <laughs> taking a nap during the uh, <laughs> during the show. And we're going to drag him out of uh, out of his slum there and uh, – and get him on here to get his feet. Can, can we just say, isn't it August 11th? We play the Bengals. Yeah. Hey, check this out, man. Next that's Thursday. Like Listen, next days. Thursday, next Thursday night, right? Hall of Fame game. Yeah, oh, that's like, right. Oh. Bro, that's, that is like right around the free football, man. Oh, my gosh. It's here. It's here. Let's celebrate. Go. Celebrate my peeps. All right. We're out of here, guys. Thank you all so much for making us part of your evening. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go. Power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, we drive down on the first man who is inside. Pullback, we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows. He goes right by them and steals inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.